The viewpoints expressed on Night Fright are not necessarily those of the host, the staff, the sponsors, or the affiliate stations. Tonight's program may contain graphic themes or images. Viewer discretion is advised. There is a time for There is a time. For answers. There is a time to challenge. There is a time to speculate. There is a time for change. There is a time for truth. The time is now. Showtime! Welcome one and all to Night Fright. I'm your host, Brent Holland. Get the coffee going, get the tea going, get a beverage of your choice going. Kick back in your most comfy chair. We've got a fantastic, fantastic guest and ride for you. Tonight, a book emerged in Chicago, folks, between 1924 and 1955. Now, its contents were said to be a blend of science, philosophy, history, cosmology, and religion seamlessly into a big picture revealing our origin, our purpose, and our divine and internal destiny. Stevie Ray Vaughan read from it. Jimi Hendrix read from it. Jerry Garcia read from it. And Jacko Pastorius from the band Weather Report wrote a song about it. The book in question is called The Urantia Book, and tonight's guest, Byron Belitos, has been a student of the book and has co-authored and published three books on the subject. Byron Belitos is an author, journalist, and publisher. He is the founder and CEO of Origin Press. He has a BA in Intellectual History from the University of Chicago, and it is my great pleasure to welcome Byron to the show for the first time and definitely not the last time. Welcome, Byron. Glad you could make it, my friend. Good to be here, Brent. It's an honor to be on your show. Thanks so much for inviting me. Thank you for being here. Where are you physically, geographically? I'm San Rafael, California, in Marin County, near uh, not far from the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, lovely, lovely. My uh, my nephew's out in San Francisco. He lives there now. He goes to Stanford in aerospace. And I always like to plug Tyler Reed, who was on the show with Story Musgrave not too long ago, actually asking him some great questions. Let's jump into it right away, shall we? Contact in the Desert just finished this past weekend. And that was, folks, uh, for those of you that missed it, that was the end of May 2015. How did it go? <laughs> <laughs> well, you were it just balloons every year. I mean, it was so huge this year that you were just walking around in this huge crowd, like being in India or something. Wow. And, um, you know, it's just become like the Woodstock of U UFO conferences. Very A lot of great speakers, and uh, I was part of that, honored to speak there. The panels were fantastic, really. I got to say, they, they were almost life changing, some of these panels. Did one, besides your own, did one stand out from the other? 
Uh, one in particular was the one uh, that had, it was more on sort of the future, where we're going, not just the UFO ufology movement, but where's the world going? And it turned into kind of a political, uh, like a political rally almost. Wow. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is due to Danny Sheehan being on the panel. Okay. Uh, but uh, Richard Dolan and, um, you know, Linda Moulton Howe and uh, Stanton Friedman and others uh, just was, I think it was historic because it, it sort of just brought everybody to this high pitch of, you know, we've got to change the situation about cover about the cover-up and how are we going to go about it? But then it got much bigger than that. It got into, you know, who was doing the cover-up and what do we do about them? And how will we really transform the planet bottom up and top down and you know the, it was uh, some pretty good rants on that panel i gotta say and if there was ever a planet that needed to be changed from the bottom up to the top certainly it is the planet earth and the planet earth folks is the name for urantia if i'm not mistaken and uh, how did this book come to be uh, right. The Urantia is the name of the planet, according to the celestial authors of the Urantia book, who first approached these people in Chicago um, long before 1922. The, the, the date it began was 22, but for about 10 years, they had these discussions through a kind of an Edgar Casey type of uh, person, but it wasn't Edgar Casey. But if you can imagine Edgar Casey, uh, somebody deeply asleep, and then them speaking through this person, and the really big personality involved with this human personality is a guy named Dr. Sadler, who was sort of like the doctor who delivered the baby, which okay. was this text. And so it took really 30 years to bring it through. Uh, so it's quite a long story. If you'd like to get into some of the basics of the story, I can, I can go further. Yes, let's do that right away. And um, it's a fascinating story. And according to the timeline that you sent me this afternoon, um, this is the newest installment of you will, if you will, of new ideas, new thoughts since Jesus. And uh, there are seven, if I'm not mistaken, epic leaders, epoch leaders. And uh, what's curious about it is there is more than just Jesus involved. Um, maybe a better explanation could come from you than what I'm trying to get across to the folks right now, because you're the expert, my friend. Where should we start? Should we start at the very beginning with the planetary leader? Or should uh, we start? Might as well, since you know, this is okay. the talk I gave at Contact in the Desert. It's pretty fresh. Uh, they're not actually into one individual uh, in every case, but normally they're one individual, a celestial being who incarnates. And of course, we think of Jesus as most of us or many of us think of Jesus as an incarnation of divine being. Mm -hmm. Uh, previous to that, way far be uh, before that, was an uh, incarnation of 100 avatars 500,000 years ago. Now, that sounds kind of odd, but it's the timeline of, of Zechariah Sitchin also that the Anunnaki came about half a million years ago. So this is the same timeline in the sense that that's when they came, and then he has a period of the, of the of kind of the rebellion about 200,000 years ago, and that's the same timing too. But what happened and who the beings were is rather different in the Arantia book, but it's interesting, it's the same timeline. So the first group that came, these on a normal planet what happens is 
apparently every normal planet has a capital city that is founded by higher beings who incarnate. And we are an anomalous planet in every way, so we had such a capital founded 500,000 years ago by these beings who incarnated, 100 of them, along with a, a made, uh, the, sort of a, the, the main personality was unseen. He was not incarnate. And this is like the general manager of the planet in the celestial realms. Byron, could I just interrupt you for a second? And when you see incarnate, are they spiritual beings, beings of energy, and they manifest themselves on this planet in a physical realm? Is that that is correct. They take on human bodies. Uh-huh. And that's that's a complicated story, but yes, that's what it is. It's it's a physical uh, manifestation. Uh, they literally build their bodies for them, and they inhabit them, walk into them, you might say. Hmm. So, um, so just to jump ahead, so imagine then that there are these 100 beings with a kind of celestial entourage, and they actually built this capital city near, it's on the Iranian coast, of the, it's the Persian Gulf area, right on the coast there, and that city is under the waves there, can be discovered, according to the authors of the ranch book, but it went down below the waves a long time ago, because they had a rebellion in the celestial realms, and, and this, this, is the, this is the rebellion story, which is at the heart of the Arantia book. Uh, so jumping ahead 300,000 years. <laughs> so the, 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 the rebellion of, of, of the celestial realms caused pandemonium in this city. Sounds like a fictional story, doesn't it? But this city split into two groups. One group went north, and the other group uh, remained in the, in the Mesopotamian area uh, near the Tigris and Euphrates, actually. So the, these two groups were were in opposition, but the sort of the good guys who remained with the divine plan were not at all warlike. But the so-called bad guys began to interbreed with the humans, and that's the source of the legend of the Nephilim. So this is, you know, garbled in story that comes down in the Bible, but uh, these, these beings were superhuman, these avatars. I mean, they looked human, but they were superhuman, and, uh, and they, uh, interbreeding with the local tribes, created a new race. And then this new race is called the Nodites. And in the Bible, uh, there's, a, there's a line about uh, the Nodites where, you may recall from Genesis, where Cain leaves and goes to the land of Nod. It's called the land of Nod and gets a wife. But that's kind of impossible because there are only three three people living on planet, according to the Bible, Adam, Eve, and Cain. So how did he get a wife? And who was living in the land of Nod? Well, that's the land called the, uh, uh, that was run by this this guy named Nod, who was one of these avatars who went to the dark side. So you've got this uh, this civilization of, of hybrids, basically. And then this is my belief, and it's not stated in the Urantia book that they become the source of the Illuminati bloodlines. And so, uh, meanwhile, sort of the good guys in this group, um, led by someone named Van, are a, 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 an alternate civilization. So there are two 
civilizations sort of facing off. And Van's group had the, the tree of life. Now, this is another thing that sounds like myth. But the Rancher book says that there was really a tree of life, which, is, which had fruit. And if you ate the fruit, you would have immortality. But that was, that was just a, uh, like a tool that came with the avatars from a higher world. It's an actual bush that produces fruit that if you eat it, and if you're an avatar, you, you, can, you, have, you live for, for an eternity, you know, eternal life, because the avatars are supposed to be on the planet forever as the teaching core of the planet for all the tribes and all the nations. Well, this whole thing fell apart, but the, the tree migrated, went north with Van and his associates, and they lived for a very long time until the second um, great uh, epical event happened, according to the Ranch Book, and that's the advent of, of Adam and Eve. So the advent of Adam and Eve is the second, and the, and the so again, this sounds like a you know, crazy Bible myth, Adam and Eve. But uh, this, the, the Adam and Eve are actually very important in the history of our planet because, again, every planet has this dispensation where these higher beings incarnate, in this case, a couple, and they're called Adam and Eve. On every planet has their own Adam and Eve, right? So they incarnate to not so much to teach, although they are teachers, but to interbreed. Again, it's this interbreeding theme. And they bring a higher genetics. It's a human genetics, but it's a higher genetics. And so our human genes are evolving over, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. And when they hit their peak genetic evolution, then they peak out and they can't, we can't really evolve anymore unless we get an infusion from the outside. So this infusion from the outside is, is when biology has reached its limit then there's a gifting of a, a biological revelation, revelation, not revolution, but revelation, where this Adam and Eve team generate children who then intermarry with each other and create an entire civilization, which then goes out and, and intermarries throughout the planet. And the whole planet gets a, an, an improved genetics from this, from this, you know, kind of gene splicing, but it's not... A laboratory, it's like intermarrying um, event, and that's th that was thirty-seven thousand years ago when that occurred. Now that that mission also defaulted, so the first great mission defaulted, and so let's back up. So the first great mission of the one hundred, um, it's called the Prince's Staff. So every planet has a general manager, but the Rancho calls them the Planetary Prince. The Planetary Prince of Urantia was named. Caligastia. And Caligastia was the leader of the angelic rebellion on our planet. He was a follower of Lucifer, who was a very high angelic being, who recruited people on different planets into the Lucifer rebellion. And the Lucifer rebellion, believe it or not, is a rebellion of angels who deny the existence of God. And, and, and other tenets. And they felt that the multiverse, the higher administrators of the universe, did not give them enough freedom, and so they actually had a rebellion. So our planet 
is becomes darkened because the celestial host goes to the dark side, but not the entire celestial host. The majority goes to the dark side. So, so in the celestial realms, there's this war going on, and then on on Earth, there there's also a kind of battle between the light and the dark. You might say. When you say angelic beings, and you know, we know the story from primarily biblical sources about Lucifer uh, combating God. Is God a culmination of all these positive energies, all the energies of the world? Is it a singular fixture? Is it, how would you define, according to the Arantia book, is there a definition of God we could kind of put a finger on? Well, that, that's probably the better topic in the Arantia. I mean, I'm telling you this complicated story. Yeah. But um, yes, uh, let, let's let's go for a moment into that because the, the Rancho book is is a major gift to people who are in, in theologians because it opens with chapters that are a revelation of who God is and what God is that you know far trans you know I was I was in Christ, I was Christian seminary once okay. and so I read theology and and, uh, and I'm still up to date on theology. And there's really nothing uh, in in right in literature in the theological literature that's as profound as this. So generally, you know, it's it's like the Christian God in the sense it's it's a very loving, personal father, mother, and and mother. But it's unlike the Christian God in that it is full of love and mercy, and not an angry God, and not a God who would send His only Son to be sacrificed. It's the so-called atonement doctrine that blood the blood of christ was in. so it says you know that's a kind of a barbaric doctrine that god has to have ransom his own son in order for god to love us you know god already loves us and so the the mission of jesus was not for a sacrifice but for something else but um the, the there's another part of the the theology the rancher book which is very important which is that god is an evolutionary an evolutionary god in other words, God is existential and infinite and, and eternal, but there's a part of God that evolves with us. So it's it's very it's very intimate because God indwells us as an inner light that's literally God within us, just like the Hindus would say the Atman is within us, and this this part of God experiences our our growth. And as we grow, it grows, you know, God grows. So God is like sort of an archivist, if you will, of all of the growth of all of the beings on all of the planets. And, and so this part of God is called the supreme. So it's the evolutionary part of God. So th this is kind of the, the summary of, of the theology of the Rancher book. And so if I may kind of come back to the history story. That'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. So with that background, it's important because... You know, it's very, very, very rare for a planet to have rebelling angels. I mean, it happens one in a million, and because it's such a loving universe. So, but it, there's, there's angels have free will too, and they have the freedom. And it, they, they wouldn't be free if they couldn't rebel. Just like you know, your children wouldn't be your children if they didn't rebel now and then because they're exercising their, their sense of self, and um, so. Uh, we're all still being loved, even though we're rebelling. So, so th they were permitted to carry out this rebellion until they were adjudicated, and we'll get to that later. But, 
uh, the, uh, the Lucifer and his minions were um, doing this rebellion work throughout their local domain. And most of the planets did not go for this. <laughs> they, they rejected it, but 37 planets did. So in the local group of inhabited planets, 37 joined the rebellion. And so it's, it's the view of some Urantians, including, by, including myself, that some of the ETs visiting here who are doing exploitative things here come from these rebellion planets. Because a typical planet would never send you know, ETs out who would go and oppress or abuse people on other planets, right? So in any do, case... Do um, these ETs look like us? Or did, are they similar in fashion to us because often you know i'm going back to the zachariah stitchin thing and of course the ufo thing that is very common right now you know they say there's seven species of ets and they start naming the reptilians of course and the grays and the nordics does that play into it at all or am i going off base here uh yeah it, it, it is the case you know there's all kinds of and you know they, they don't literally say reptilian but they say that on inhabited planets, and there are billions and billions of inhabited planets, actually trillions, according to Rancher book, all have humanoid beings, okay. and and on some planets they don't have an atmosphere, ah. but they're called non-breather planets where there's okay. they don't breathe, but they take in photosynthesis actually. So on those planets they look different from us; <laughs> they don't evolve anything like us. Okay, uh, and some on some planets there are. Um, but they all have the godly spirit inside. Is that correct? It, by definition, if they're if they're humanoid, they do. Okay. And and they're all part of God's universe. Right. And so yes, um, and there's many types. And some are tall, some are short. You know, if the, if the planet is really big, then they have to be really short because there's too much gravity. If the planet's smaller, then they're taller. So that's why some ETs are tall and some are short. And it's, it has wonderful chapters about life on other planets. I mean, everybody should read those that are interested in, in ufology because it has uh, like a whole chapter on government on another planet, how they run their government. They have like a kind of a socialist government on this planet. And uh, so um, so ETs are hovering around all of this thing. All yeah, of this. You have to move to Canada for that. I'm just That's kidding, a, folks. I'm just kidding. But we do have Medicare. <laughs> right, exactly. That's why I tried to move to Canada. I tried to get a job in Canada. Right on, buddy. Several reasons. During the Bush era, I tried to get out of here. I almost got a job in the mining business, believe it or not. Is that right? Where? That's a little company yeah. that I knew and consulted to and um, helped them uh, with their – I do business consultation. And uh, I was just desperate to get out of here during the, the Bush era. Like many of us, were you trying to get to a place called Sudbury? Uh, to uh, Vancouver. <laughs> oh, Vancouver. Okay, we'll talk about that after off air. Yeah, maybe we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway, we, we have lots of good tangents here, but uh, yeah. Um, should I get back to the history part? Please uh, do. I apologize for going off. No, this is it's all fun. Um, so, the fact that we had this rebellious, angelic host meant that when Adam and Eve were here they were being uh, they were under attack by these beings Adam and Eve could see them they could see angels right but they're physical they're on the ground 
and they they kept trying to persuade them that you don't want you don't want to go with these the good guys you want to go with us the bad guys. they didn't put it that way but uh but adam and eve um eventually got worn down and that's so the bible gives you this mythic version of what happened but the rancher book says they they also kind of defaulted so uh, at that point they had 500 children but they're supposed to get to thousands many many thousands of children and their location is the island of cyprus in the eastern mediterranean and uh, i want to do another tangent which is to tell you about the expedition that we did to the site i don't know if you know about this uh, so urantia people um believe that there the um Atlantis is the same as Eden. It doesn't say that in your answer book, but it might as well say that. So this is actually an Eden, uh, an Atlantis site. And the History Channel bought the rights to the book that I published. Uh, the, the, I, uh, you know, I'm a book publisher, and I published a book about this, uh, the hypothesis that if we went to the location right off the coast of Cyprus, and went down there, we would find artifacts of Adam and Eve's city called Eden. And uh, so in 2004, we raised a lot of money, sent a probe down there, and found artifacts. That was covered all over the world. Then the History Channel sent a second expedition, and it, it ratified the finding, which was that there was a one mile long, more than a mile long straight line like a wall that takes a left-hand turn <laughs> and it's one mile down, which is impossible to have on the bottom. So all kinds of articles are written and you know, it was covered in it was covered in Pravda and Russia, it was covered in the Beijing Times and all over Europe and the United States. But the you know, US press is so poor, you know, they barely covered it. But the BBC radio had this on, so it was quite a thing. And we're working on a second, a uh, third expedition, actually, uh, to get a better probe to go down and look at this and get right down on the surface of the, uh, with a submarine, basically. And uh, so this is where the ranch book says this second great event her happened of Adam and Eve. And, and because, without getting into the details, the, the mission was aborted, but there were there was many hundreds of children of theirs which then migrated from this place. There, there was actually warfare there, they, and they fled to the Tigris-Euphrates area. And when they got there, so 37,000 years ago, they became the, the source of what we think of as the Sumerian civilization. So this is way pre-Sumerian. And all the stuff that Sitchin is reading, you can read it a different way, um, if, if particularly if you're if you're a better scholar than he is, <laughs> and um, you can locate the these items from the Arantia book in those records, that's what we believe, and that's what the book I published uh, is about. Uh, that this was actually the source civilization for all of the European Middle Eastern civilization and their their progeny. So the so. So you know, think of it this way: these are the these are the great 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 grandchildren of Adam and Eve. They have a higher genetics. Their genetics is is somewhat more advanced. So they become 
the leaders of these of these tribes, these nations, and they they migrate and they're they're told to migrate. They migrate all the way to Asia, uh, China, and they intermarry, which was the mission. And these groups, when they intermarry, become the leaders of the, for example, the the Brahmin caste of India, is 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 sourced from the children of Adam migrating there 35,000 years ago, way pre, pre, long before the Vedas were written. And these were these, the, these were the, the people that brought the, the basic ideas of Vedanta. But uh, so they, they created, in India, they created a caste called the Brahmins who were superior genetically, they believed, and they actually were. But over many thousands of years, they were not superior. They intermarried with but but it was a kind of a, a mixed race that was created called the Brahmin caste, and uh, we can go on about how you know they migrated into uh, Europe, and uh, th this is uh, the source civilization for the Greek. I had uh, um, Francis Collins on the show. He was the leader yeah. that broke the yeah, and uh, he was saying I asked him a stupid question. I said. How much of our DNA is the same? I said maybe 60, 70 percent. He said no, 99.99999. And I went, wow. You know, and we're still shooting each other's butts off. So I just find it absolutely bizarre. You know. Well, uh, you know, the, the the warring, being a warring planet. This was the basic plan of the of the dark angels. Hmm. What their real big agenda is is to foment warfare. And the reason I believe this is an inference that I've made from reading the Ranch book. When you have warfare, you have technological advance. And that's actually their agenda because their view is in a godless universe, what you need is better technology. You don't need more love. You need tech. So, so that's really why they foment this because the spinoff is technology through military hardware. And so throughout the eons, that's how we had technological progress was really from war from weaponization it looks like they they've succeeded especially in recent years yeah and uh, you know it's it, to me they're still working behind the scenes but when we get to the sixth epic in my history here you'll see what happened to them but uh the uh the, the uh, going back to this era of adam and eve so now they're they've removed they've been removed from the planet because they defaulted their children remain, they intermarry, and so we get this Mesopotamian source civilization, and then the, the, the Bible is kind of based on these garbled records. So, so at this point, you have these polytheistic empires, the Sumerian, the Chinese, India, these are empires, but Sumeria is kind of ahead of everybody. And uh, so there's the, this, this tribe called didn't have a name yet, but it became the Hebrews. So they they had were in captivity in Babylon, right? So they they picked up some of this Sumerian history, brought it back, and they were basically nobodies, but they did have some of this history, um, and they experienced the third great event, epical event, and epical visitation, which is also of record in Genesis, which was. Abraham. When Abraham was initiated by Abraham, I mean, um, Abraham was initiated by Melchizedek, yeah, Melchizedek, a guy named Melchizedek. So in the Bible, you learn about Melchizedek and, you know, uh, 
New Age people make this big thing out of Melchizedek, this mysterious being. Ranch book has about 100 pages on who this is. And this is another avatar incarnation. But, but from this point on, all of the epical events, all the visitations are um, emergency visitations because everything's gone to pieces. There's no capital city. The Adam and Eve project failed, mainly failed, failed like 80% failed. There's, there's, there's just chaos and warfare. So uh, they, the Celestials said, well, we've got to have another, a great world teacher, and we've got to have a community that receives him. And then we've got to have yet another big teacher, and that will be called the Messiah. So the first guy that comes is Machavento Melchizedek. That's his name. So his first name is Machavento. And he uh, approaches Abraham out of just walks into his tent and says, Hi, I'm Melchizedek. <laughs> I'm the great priest of El Elyon. And, and, and Abraham, you know, is startled, and, but they, they create an alliance. And so that's why Abraham becomes such a great warrior because he's got this guy backing him. And they create a community in a town called Salem. And Salem becomes Jerusalem. Mm. And this is 2000 BC. So these, uh, Abraham creates this community of people who are students of himself and this mysterious being Melchizedek who teaches for like 100 years. And then one day he just disappears. So he, he had created the Hebrew lineage. And he, he, uh, he introduced monotheism. So at this point, you don't have monotheism, you have polytheism. So they had to have a monotheistic community that could receive Christ. Because you couldn't, if you have Christ incarnating and everybody's believing in all these different weird deities, it ain't going to work. So they needed to have a monotheistic civilization. Well, you know, the, the Hebrews kept, kept uh, diverging from the teaching. That's why they had the prophets. And the prophets of, G of, of, of the Jews had Melchizedek in the etheric realms whispering to them, you know, I am your God. I am, you know, I, your nation is, is, was created by, by me to receive the Messiah, basically. So, you know, after, you know, hundreds of years, they have a really great civilization in, you know, their Jerusalem. So that's why Jesus was sent. So that's the fourth great visitation. When you have a being of the order of Christ come to a planet, mm. it's extremely unusual. Because we were one in a million planets. We were a planet that went dark. So when it's, it's funny, I was going to ask you that, Byron, whether or not every planet has their own Christ, if you will, or someone of that nature. But as yeah. you said, these were emergency things that were taking place here. Um, uh, yes, there were. There is an emergency and it is an ad hoc visitation, but every planet eventually will have a being who comes from the the domain. Think of it like the seventh heaven. Um, who comes from this very very high place, and when they incarnate, you know they they're obviously deities. Okay. And so then the the, the civilization rallies around this world teacher. But, you know, our, you know, uh, Urantia, our planet, didn't rally around Christ. They killed him. 
And, uh, and so that's how dark this place is, because this is a deity incarnating, who, according to the Ranch book, is a creator being, which is her creator deity. You know, it's really rare that they incarnate, but he came, you know, because they're so loving and merciful, they'll go into the worst places. You know, it's like Mother Teresa going into the worst, you know, uh, hovels in, in India and in Calcutta because the love is so great. And this is the same idea of Jesus going into to planet Earth. I don't want to go too much in the Christian realm, but that's what I'm most familiar with. And was Lucifer behind the killing, the murder of Jesus? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is Lucifer still here with us, and is he in a spiritual realm, and he just manifests whenever he wants? Yeah, it's like this. Lucifer is, uh, this is a tiny bit of more background about him. Okay. The Orange Book has divisions of 1,000 planets, 100,000 inhabited planets, 10 million inhabited planets, then even bigger divisions. He was the chief angel of the, of the 1,000 local planets. So he's still running these 1,000 planets, right? Um, and uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, take it back. He, he was removed after Christ came. And the Bible tells that story because he confronted Jesus, right? And right after that, he, he was removed and put in a prison world in the etheric realms. But it's sort of the legal structure of things is that the local contact of Lucifer, uh, who was Caligasti, as you recall, is the local like general manager of the planet. He can't be removed without a court case. <laughs> so they actually had to do a court case to remove this guy. And he wasn't removed until 1987. But the, the minions around him were removed from the planet and on the day of Pentecost. Oh, isn't that interesting? Okay. So Pentecost was like a huge exorcism mm -hmm. because it was the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on, on all humanity and on the higher realms too. So that, that was sort of the end of uh, demonic possession according to the Rancho book. But there's a, there's a footnote to that we can get to. Um, but, but generally they, they, they had no more ability to possess your your soul after Pentecost. Um, so Cal but Caligasti is still allowed so he's 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 there whispering, so to speak, to the Pharisees and and fomenting them to kill Jesus. I mean it's really, really diabolical. And so it's it doesn't state it explicitly in the Ranch book, but it certainly implies that he was behind the death of Christ, yeah, okay. and uh, so 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 as I said that this dispensation of Melchizedek and then the advent of Christ are compensatory for what what I call the double default. So the the, the, the default of the first big group five hundred thousand years ago, the default of Adam and Eve, you got pandemonium. Then you're trying to fix this by creating a monotheistic culture then have Christ, and the Christ teachings then go out throughout the world. For the first time, people have heard of the golden rule. No one really even knew much about that. And ethics, morality, and so this gets preached to the whole world, but it gets totally perverted. 
you know, the Catholic Church and that whole story. And uh, but the plan had always been to keep sending sort of reinforcements. <laughs> and so uh, they they created more profits and they they uh, the uh, history history was accelerated because everybody on earth after Pentecost received the divine light. So prior to that, not everyone would receive this inner fragment of, of, of God. But after Pentecost, everybody did. So that's why history accelerates so quickly and, and everything is moving so quickly after Christ, after Christ. And uh, not just in the West, but in, in, but in the East, you know, China had these tremendously wonderful periods of culture after the Pentecost and, um, and India too. And, and then later the Muslim civilization, these great civilizations are because the Holy Spirit is all around the planet and, and both around us and in us. But it's still not enough because the Lucifer, Luciferic lineages are still running the politics. So they, they, they had already moved into these places and infiltrated all of these empires. And they become the, and this is not in the ranch book, this is my own, my own book that I'm working on, it's a new book I'm working on. They become the, the bloodlines, for example, in Europe, in the European royalty. Uh, and so they're still there, and they're, they're the ones that pervert Christianity into Roman Catholicism, which was an oppressive system. And they pervert these other teachings throughout the world, and... and create these oppressive hierarchies. So that's why the Urantia book had to come, which was an expose of all of this stuff. So that's the fifth great visitation. It's the visitation of a book. Okay, and it manif I was going to say it manifested this time those teachings in a book. In a book that then was to be followed up immediately. Was the reason behind that, do you feel, is because it could be... Um, spread out across the world much quicker globally right they were waiting literally for the uh, the printing press <laughs> before they could do this okay and and they were waiting also for the for for the the gospel to be preached to the whole world so you know christians out there this this is all, you know they're right because once the gospel is preached to the whole world then then you have the next great yeah. um, moment in world history so these two converging so then they did this book that's now in 17 languages all over the world in different languages. And uh, now I forgot the rest of your question. I was just getting, well, basically that was the, uh, the the gist of the question you just answered. I was just curious why it manifested this time the knowledge in the form of a book rather than a person, a teacher. And I think you just answered that. They were waiting for the printing press. And, uh, you know, uh, this is where we get our knowledge from, isn't it? And I'm wondering if there's going to be a new manifestation, if you will, uh, taking advantage of uh, social media as people become more and more evolved into social media and and on and on and on. Is is there an ending to the story? Will there be good conquers all? Let's hope. Uh, absolutely does, because, oh. you know, this is the hopeful universe. It's a friendly, loving universe. Yeah. And so there's a redemption for us. And... Um, so, so the Rancher book is actually a, a textbook that is a reference book 
before what is now happening. And so the, the sixth and seventh of these, so we've been through the five big epical events. The sixth one is underway now. That began when Lucifer and Satan, his lieutenant, were adjudicated in these higher courts, these heavenly courts, so to speak. When they were adjudicated, they had a choice of being re going to rehab <laughs> in a heavenly rehab place, <laughs> or, or in effect, doing a kind of a suicide. Hmm. Yeah, it's like snuffing themselves out. Yeah, it's like being handed a gun and say, "Shoot yourself," you know, because you know you, you choose your even if you're Lucifer and Satan, you choose your fate. So they both chose to snuff themselves out, so to speak. Okay. at this point in 1987. So once that happened, then the planet Earth was no longer a dangerous place. And, and this includes Caligastia. So Caligastia was also adjudicated. And he also is exists no more. So with him removed, then the planet comes out of quarantine. I, I've, I forgot to tell you that all this time we're in quarantine. And there's a lot of people are talking about that we were quarantined. Um, and even the Chronicles of Narnia from C.S. Lewis talk about that our world is quarantined. So the quarantine is now lifted. Once it's lifted, then you can have interplanetary communication. So once you can have that, then you can have channeling. So there was channeling prior to that. But according to the Rancher book, anything that was channeled prior to that was very ad hoc because there's really no circuitry, so to speak. There's like no phone lines okay. where someone in the etheric realm can contact you unless it's diabolical, <laughs> you know, or there are lower beings in the astral. So in the, the astral belt is already local here, but higher etheric realms are not local and they can't get in. To speak with us, so so that's why we had this plethora of channeling after that point. But in the Arantia movement, there's there's a vast amount of channeling now, and so those are the, the book that I sent you is one of those. Okay, oh. it's it's transmission, and uh, so then there's one more stage, and that's incarnations will occur again. Okay, yeah, and and there'll be a world teacher. And it's imminent. That's why I'm getting so active with this, because it's an imminent event of an incarnation, uh, almost of the order of Christ. Are there prophecies that are inside the book uh, of Urantia as well? As You know, there's prophecies inside the Koran. There's prophecies inside of uh, the Christian Gospels. And there's also prophecies, of course, in the Torah. Are there prophe prophecies also that we could look at inside the book of Urantia? Yeah, the Urantia book uh, has um, a future scenario. It's not really oh. a prophecy. Okay. Uh, it, it's not poetic like the prophets are poetic. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not a charismatic person giving you a prophecy. It's like a textbook saying, this is what we have planned for you. <laughs> so what they had planned is this redemption, this what I like to call compensation, uh, which is the Rancher book, and then you'll be taught, and then there'll be this in, this uh, this mission called the magisterial mission. And the magisterial mission is this word magisterial, meaning it's like a magistrate. So this this being who incarnates is like the magistrate 
He's like a judge, but he's not like an angry guy. <laughs> he's not coming back. He's pissed at everybody. He's, Thank God. Because <laughs> I'd be in deep trouble, buddy. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, uh, you know, and especially at the, you know, the, you know, the Dick Cheney's of the world, you know, are going to be in big trouble, right? But it's all mercy. And so everyone is offered mercy and love and rehabilitation. So, uh, but, but he does, this being sees in perfection everything you've done. So it, it, it becomes sort of a record, who you are, what you are. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's kind of, kind of biblical that, you know, sort of the, the, the sheep and the goats, you might say, are, are separated. And, and so he then reorganizes the planet top down. And, and the bottom up part of that is people are, are, are becoming spiritualized. And we see that all around us. And so he's teaching as, as a world teacher, and with him comes other incarnate beings. And uh, so in, in recent, uh, well, they're, they're, I guess you can say, just let me take that back, Brent. There, there are prophecies that are being coming through channels, but they're not in the Arantia book. They're coming through individuals, like the book that I just published uh, called The Adventure of Being Human. And you can find that out on my website, all about it, uh, my website, evolvingsouls.org. And by the way, folks, www.nightfrightshow.com will have all of Byron's links there and links to his books as well. And just click on, as always, just click on tonight's guest's picture. That'll take you right to a spot where you can order his books, take you right to his uh, website as well. Far more information on his website than we'll be able to cover tonight, obviously. Uh, well worth the look and well worth the reads in all cases. Sorry to interrupt you, Byron. No, that was good, Brett. <laughs> well said. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but, uh... So uh, the, the uh, prophecies, if you will, have come through a number of, of Urantia book readers. And um, the latest is that um, the magisterial son, who seems to have two names, <laughs> he's got sort of a corporate name, you might say, which is Monjoronson, Monjoronson, and his personal name, which is Sarara. And he, he has spoken for about 10 years through channels. We've got thousands of pages of his statements, and they're very specific. And he, he, he's teaching at this high level uh, about how he wants to see the reorganization of the United Nations and how we're going to become sustainable and, and all sorts of great things like that. And uh, one of the books I don't think you know about that I published is called Healing a Broken World. And healing a broken world is actually his first and primary teaching on on sustainability. He calls it social sustainability. And you know, we talk about environmental sustainability, and he says you're never going to get environmental sustainability because you're not socially sustainable. You're just falling into pieces. So how are you going to deal with climate change when you can't even get a government to run? You know, your governments are totally dysfunctional. So we're going to get your your government's dysfunctional so you can deal with these things. And that's our first mission is functionality on the ground. Because you're going to have, you know, you have, you already have a kind of a holocaust because, you, you know, 20,000 people a day die of starvation. Uh, so we're, we're, we're not addressing climate change per se. We're, we're addressing you <laughs> and getting you get your act together. And we'll be here incarnate helping and teaching. 
So that, that's really very helpful because once you have a world teacher like this, and once you don't, once you don't have the bad guys trying to kill him, <laughs> then, then he's going to be here, and we're going to rally around this, and he's going to create a kind of a world capital. Um, and um, one thing that some of us are concerned about is that some of the fundamentalist Christians will think that this guy is the Antichrist. Because they'll have no knowledge of what I'm talking about, you know. And so there'll be this visible being who's stating, I'm, I'm the world teacher. So what they have designed is that as, as soon as this guy comes, then Christ will return. Oh, and he'll say, hey, Christians, you're expecting me? Here I am. And my brother, Sorara, Mondranson is the sort of the name of, of his entourage. He's the world uh, leader. I'm here as your loving father brother. And he and I are going to teach together. So this is a huge, huge, huge thing that is to happen in our lifetimes that we're being told. Urantia, is it, could it be called a religion or is it more a way of life? I don't think of it as really either one so much as it's it's a it's like a it's like a cosmic textbook and it has a religion in it but but it's not like a religious organization and never will be that but it has a definitely a spiritual teaching and our book the uh, the adventure of being human is spiritual teachings and the rancher book i haven't mentioned yet the fourth part of the rancher book is the angelic record of the teachings of jesus <laughs> so you, you definitely get a religion out of that and it's 700 pages. You know, the Bible's like, you know, a few, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 pages for each gospel. But the Rancher book is much more detail on Jesus's teachings. So there are, there's a religion kind of forming around it. Does this book negate all the holy books that came before it, or does it build upon it? It builds on the Bible very definitely, and it builds on all the religions out there. Uh, because it says, you know, the, the, all of the, the religions on the world today were inspired from the number three epical event when Melchizedek, as I mentioned, right. he sent out missionaries. These missionaries, think, consider this, his missionaries went all the way to China, and they taught monotheism, mm -hmm. and that resulted in Taoism. They went to India, and they taught monotheism, and that resulted in Vedanta and Hinduism. Yeah. They went to Arabia and they taught uh, monotheism and that led to Islam. So they, they have actually created these religions behind the scenes. Okay. We haven't dealt with the afterlife. Is there an afterlife? That is really the, the best part of the Rancho book for many of us who are aging <laughs> because uh, the part about the higher worlds Yes. Is, is in so much wonderful detail. So when people talk about near-death experience and they go in, you know, they go through the tunnel and they go to these higher worlds, they, they, they see what the Ranch Book is talking about, which are these loving beings that receive you. And, but, but they don't get too much, they don't, they don't stay there, so they don't know what's going to happen. What's going to happen is you're going to be in these civilizations. They're higher worlds with, you know, you're not just playing the harp. <laughs> you know, you're, you're living with others in a body 
but it's an etheric body. It's a higher body. Okay. And you continue to live forever. So we do not reincarnate. If you it does not have reincarnated. There's a kind of technical reincarnation, but it's not like Hindu reincarnation right. or New Age reincarnation. But there's a type, but mainly it's an ascension. Okay. You're ascending, and you go all the way to the center of the central universe. We didn't talk about this, but the Rancher book says says there's a center of the whole universe, and that's always been there. And there are beings that live there that have always lived there forever from eternity, and like we're going to go there. And that's our goal is to go to this central universe, which is like the highest heaven. Hmm. And that's kind of the geographic location of the divine, of, of God. The and, Big Bang Theory, how do, does that work into this at all? Because as I read in the beginning, there's kind of a mix of science and theology at the same time. There's a, there's a, a tremendously interesting science section in the Rancher book that is uh, everybody's wrestling with because it says that the big the, there's not a big bang uh, of the biggest bang but they're little bangs <laughs> oh okay yeah and so that's how they create a local what they call local universes hmm. yeah so there isn't a big bang because the big bang is really kind of a silly idea although there's lots of proof that there was some kind of a bang no doubt about it but uh that the universe you know so imagine it this way there's this mother universe okay. And it it it, it 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 created these other universes out of itself that are in time. Okay. So time, but there's eternity in the center. The time is on the periphery, and those are all the galaxies that are out there. And the Rancher book was talking about you know millions of galaxies long before people knew there was more than one galaxy. You know, in the 30s. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's uh, it's science is definitely prophetic, and anyone interested in that topic, there's our music. Gotta go, my friend. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much, Byron Belotis has been with us tonight, folks. www.nightfrightshow.com. Click on tonight's guest book cover. That'll take you right to a spot where you can uh, order his books. Go to his website and everything else. Thank you, Byron. Thank you, Brett. Witness accounts. Order yours right now. Nightfrightshow.com.